You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Well, problematic. Out of my left earbud. Getting off to a banging start here. Joining me, as always, Jeff Hens. Dollar Bill Dave. I touch myself. I, I just need to clip that. Just Dave. <laughs> I touch myself. And Timmy C. Goo, goo, goo. Dave is awesome, and he got a new hat and a toy. <laughs> Are you drunk, yes or no? And it's marked on the right-hand side for both. Time on my drawers, get my panties wet. I love it. We've covered this butt wipe on a few different occasions. Butt wipe? You don't call people butt wipe anymore? No. I'm not I'm not seven. Good news is I've limited the producer's amount to screw us over this, so we're actually gonna get to sing along with the songs now. You are welcome. Welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Step in. Thank you. Joining me, as always, Della Bill Dave. Here. <laughs> and Timmy C. Robocop. I mean, not quite. Close enough. You're close. I Actually, my shit doesn't fall off like Robocop did mm. at WCW. His leg fell off. Well, the thigh. Please remember. My, my arm fell off. Damn mechanical bull. Hey, no, to- I, I, I've made this fit. Sorry, TJ. <laughs> when, it, when my arm's fixed and I get back into shape, I'm going back out to Vegas and I'm going to whip that some bitch ass that was running the bull. And then when, uh, for you. And then when I get to tell Cassio that story, we're going to laugh some more just like we did on the first story. <laughs> Idiot Matt, face. Our friend yeah, of the show. His best friend, Cassio. Matt Cassio. Yeah, he's like, what happened? I thought I was going to be hosting some shows. I was like, we filled it, but we might need you in January, so I'll let you know. <laughs> Thanks, Casio kid, in, in, in preface. He tried to kill me the other day. So Can Monday, on Monday, I worked from home because I was switching my internet to AT&T Fiber from Google Fiber. Good for you. Well. They came to my house. They were here all day Friday. Couldn't get the shit hooked up. All day Monday, couldn't get the shit hooked up. I go outside. I've been working because I didn't cancel my Google Fiber. I go outside. They have these huge fucking holes all in my neighbor's front yards. The and guy's then, putting the internet in for you? And then they're about to dig a hole in another neighbor's yard. And the other neighbor's like, no, the fuck you're not. They call the cops on my neighbors, who are my good friends. So then I called <laughs> AT&T and said, fuck you guys. I'm not using your internet. Quit digging holes. You guys have destroyed everything. I want you to come fucking fix it. But they they dug holes everywhere because the reason why they couldn't get my internet up and running was the line got destroyed when they were building the house next to mine. And somehow the line got destroyed. So they're like, now they're they're tearing up everything, they trying to repair the line. That guy's house. But nobody's gonna that guy's kick ass. So when you meet him, you'll love him. So, but I, I don't need to say. I'm uh we switched our cell phones from Verizon to AT&T. That's a mistake. Uh well I, I'm a, I don't I'm I didn't get AT&T any service right now and it's terrible. I didn't get any service at my office 
with Verizon didn't Verizon? get any service there. AT and T has towers on the arsenal, so I get service mm. with AT ah. and I, I couldn't be at work without my cell phone with my kids and all that shit. So, right. like, so uh, I'm good with that. But dude, it's like getting a cell phone now is like it takes damn near as long as buying a fucking car. See, when I switch from what takes Verizon? so fucking long. So I got mad, and then the guy told Janet, he's like, "Is your husband gonna come back here and punch me?" And she's like, "No, you'll be okay." He might. And then he might. We had to go back for something, and it took a long time. And then we bought two Apple watches as well. And then they fucked us because it's supposed to be buy one, get one. And then we were getting charged all kinds of crazy shit. So Janie's like, I'm not fucking doing that. She goes in there and is raising hell. And she tells the guy, if you don't fix this right now, I'm sending my husband in here. (laughs) (laughs) He was in the car. It was buy one, get one, buy one, get one, pay for another one. He's in the car. He's four deep already. He's going to drive the car through the front fucking door. That is not the experience I had when switching. The guy showed up at my house and was like, I have this deal. I have this phone. And I'm like, are you, are you legit? He was legit. Had me switched over and canceled my Verizon before he left my house. Took me 30 minutes. We were there over two hours the first day. I'm going back to Verizon. And then I, so I had to go back yesterday because we were canceling. We got my oldest uh, an iPhone. That sounds like a bad idea. And when Jandy went to cancel the two watches, they canceled one watch and the fucking iPhone. For your daughter? Yeah. So I had to go back there and get that shit fixed. And then there's a kid there, and they have the NFL network on the TV there with AT&T sponsorship with DirecTV and yada, yeah. yada, yada. Well, they own them. And it's the Rams yeah. versus the... The Rams versus the Ravens from last weekend. So you're watching an old football game? Yeah, the kid that works there is like, oh, man, this is going to be a great game. I'm a huge Ravens fan, but it's not looking good for him right now because they were losing 28 to 23 with four minutes to go. And I looked at him and go, you're a huge Would you like to bet on this game? I go, you're a huge Ravens fan? He says, yeah, I love the Ravens, but I don't know if they're going to win tonight. I said, dude, this game was on fucking Sunday, and they won this bitch in overtime. How big of a fucking fan are you? You ruined that guy's day. I, I love that uh, Leroy Jackson they have at quarterback. That that guy was living on the edge of that game. And Dave's like, it's fucking over three days ago. What an idiot. This is from 2013. <laughs> Dan Marino don't play anymore, dude. <laughs> well, if you'd like to hear more about our phone issues and internet problems, please remember to subscribe and rate this show. Or if you'd just like to dig up... Dave's neighbor's yards. Oh my I, god! I don't get that. Be never mind. We're not going to get into it again. Wherever you get your podcast, while you're at it, follow the show on Twitter at FF Popcast on Instagram. At, no, on at Filter Free Popcast. Yeah. Follow our Patreon network on Twitter at Filter Free Net, and of course X. our friends. Shut up. Our friends at Premier Streaming Network at Watch On Premier. Timmy, <laughs> if they go to www.patreon.com forward slash Filter Free, what do they get? Well, you they don't get- have to listen to that bitch, Kirk Herbstreet. Fuck him. <laughs> you, you again, not Kirk Herbstreet. You, you also get ever. Legends. Let's rethink this. Footballers getting paid with Tim and Dave. Evolution of Evil. Wrestling with commercials. Plus our list of 2024 events, which begins with the Royal Rumble. Boom, boom. No refunds. No refunds. Also, if you haven't paid yet, do it. Justin's going to start shanking people. So you're fit to be out. He- 
He will also be the death director if you don't start paying. It's true. You don't want to get him mad. Um, if you go to watchonpremiere.com, our lovely friends, I'm looking at the just added right now. And they just added episode 32 of Everyone's Got a Pie with Teddy Biasi. They're going to cover cover WrestleMania 6, which would be fun. I was there. So that, no, you weren't. So that was uh, Jake. That was Ted and Jake. When Jake laid it down, probably warrior. That was shut up. So that that yeah. was probably Jake's greatest promo ever. Was just before that match. So also, I might have, I might have to tune into that. Also, DDP's WrestleMania debut. That's true. Driving a pink Cadillac. Here's what else you get. We've got collections out the Yahoo plus. You can browse different promotions from around the country, including TNA is now on there. Hog. I'm willing to bet TNA won't be on there very long, unfortunately. Battlefield Pro Wrestling, MCW Pro Wrestling, Northeast Wrestling, CLW, Wrestle Pro, Titan Championship Wrestling. You get the idea. There's a ton, including something called the Wrestle Carnival, which I am interested in. I'm in. I'm in. Ski balls. Plus, we've got podcasts with Rob Van Dam, Jesse McKay, and Cassie Lee, Josh Chernoff, 49 times, my dog barking, Gabby AF, Dave Sturgeo, still barking, Blue Meanie. <laughs> Is it a girl dog or a boy dog? It's a, a girl dog. Shut up, bitch. Thank you. And Joe Gertner, Bobby Fish, and of course, our friend Efren. I wonder Gamer how much Prime paid for these shitty Thursday night games. A lot, a lot. Like billions. The Raiders with a whopping zero points on Sunday. Lost to a team that scored three. And they have that fuck face, Kirk Herbstreet, as one of the announcers. They do. But they do have Easton Stick. Or no, they have they don't have Easton Stick at quarterback. No, that's the Easton Stick place for the Chargers. At they have right Jeff now. Hostetler, a quarterback for the Raiders. He Could literally be. played for Blue Mountain State. The TV show? <laughs> what, what was the East Texas State? Was that the necessary roughness? East Texas State? Was it? Southwest Louisiana State University. No, or that's a real university. Southwest Louisiana State? Yeah. And that the South Central. Which one was from the Mud Dogs? Oh, <laughs> from the Water Boy. That was long. I know that. I don't remember all of it. Um. Anything else we need to uh, discuss before we head into this week's show? I love these late 80s shows. They're my favorite. Do you want to talk about AEW? Do we? I mean, you were the one who got with me about shitty Chris Jericho promos. That was terrible. That Jericho Omega promo was terrible. I'm sure his cruise is going to suck, too. <laughs> I and the Rays just traded Tyler Glasnow and Manuel Margot. To the Yankees? To the Dodgers. That's not better. Manuel Margot, isn't that who played uh, Wonder Woman? No, it's uh, uh, Robbie. Is that her name? No. No. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. God, why do you fucking ruin my jokes? Terrible. It's it's literally why I'm here. (sighs) God. Um, Well, we got a three and out. Start the game. Great. Great start. So the one thing we did talk about this week before we did this show was – the sheer difference between the two wrestling promotions, the big ones, is um, it appears CM Punk and Seth Ma- uh, Seth Rollins are going to draw all the monies at WrestleMania. Yes. That promo was amazing. 
Well, they don't like each other. Well, they're going to make a ton of money here real yeah. soon. <laughs> real soon. Who said they don't like each other? Timmy. Timmy said Nobody that. knows that. A lot of people said that. I, I, I don't think they actually do like each other, but I think, like I said, they're both business. Yeah. By the way, fuck CM Punk um, mm. posting Nikita pictures Lyons. with yeah. my girlfriend, Nikita Lyons. Mm-hmm. Hate him. Mm. Anything else? You're a loser. Mm-hmm. You touch her, I'm coming to Chicago, and I'm going to Kevin Costner, your wife. You're going to carry mm-hmm. her away into the end of the movie? No. I'm, like the bodyguard? Remember what he did to Cal Ripken's wife? Cal Ripken Jr., yeah. Does that make punk? Not, not not see, it would be better if it were senior. Cal <laughs> Ripken <laughs> Sr. He is 73 years old. <laughs> she is 82. Or Kevin Billy. Costner Bedner. Depends. Mm. What, what, what about Billy Ripken? How would, how would that work? Fuck face. God, you didn't even get the talented one. You got Billy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Timmy, get your finger on that button because this week we're going back to. If I had a nickel for every time a woman told me that. December 18th. I'm just going to ignore that. 1988. On the button, Timmy. Get your finger on the button. I have one nickel. As we relive some WWF wrestling challenge. Before we get to that show, let's see what was happening in your world yesterday. You'd be Nicholas. Events filter free. <laughs> Nicholas. Saint Nicholas. Hit the music now. Before I say up first. Wait for the beat to drop. <sighs> Up first. Stories that missed the cut. December 1st, a cyclone hits Bangladesh, killing 596 people and leaving 500,000 more homeless. Blue cyclone. No? Really? Ray Definitely. Stevens? She That's moves it. her body like a cyclone. Thank you. Make me want to do it all. Cincinnati had a hockey team called the Cyclones. Now they have the... No, well, no, it's Columbus I'm thinking of. They still this, have one. Sure. December 1st, Benazir Bhutto becomes the first female leader of her Muslim country as she is named the Prime Minister of Pakistan. Did she put her Bhutto in the bins there? I don't know what that means. Never mind. <laughs> December 1st, NBC bids a then-record $401 million to win the broadcasting rights for the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. That was the first Olympics I remember watching. And they, they made had the dream team. I said they yep. made bank because the dream team showed up. Yep. December 2nd, ESPN Air Sports Center episode number 10,000, making it the most televised cable program in history. To and be now fair, ESPN, they showed- And now ESPN employs that stupid dick face Kirk Herbstreet. <laughs> but they showed it like eight, nine times a day. They still do. Every day. Yeah, I mean, of course. Does anybody watch Sports Center anymore? I, I don't. No, I, I don't have, have time. Interwebs. Yeah, we have we have Twitter. I don't need to look at the Sports Center. You know, as soon as you bring back Dan Pratt, Patrick and Charlie Steiner, I'll start watching again. Dan Patrick's still on TV. I, I know. Charlie, I think Charlie Steiner might be dead. I don't think he is. December I'm not 3rd. watching it until they bring back the guy with the weird eye. Stuart Scott? Stuart Scott, yeah. Dead. Well, then I ain't watching. There you go. December 3rd. I would like to see Dave watch it with Keith Olbermann. I think that would be fun. Hmm. Oh, so you want to see me strangle Keith Olbermann's weird ass. (laughs) He is weird. December 3rd, to show you how packed 1988 was, 
Barry Sanders having arguably the greatest season of any position in college football and winning the Heisman gets bumped for another football story. Icky Woods rookie year. He was yeah, sure. December uh, 5th, in a story we just covered last week, televangelist Jim Baker is indicted for fraud after paying hush money to cover up an alleged rape. Jessica Hahn. Yep. What a douche. Goldie's sister. I don't think that's right. December 9th. It's her mom. Weird. Mississippi (laughs) Burning, a crime drama inspired by a true story premieres. That movie's phenomenal. Yeah, it is good. Ain't seen it. What? Oh, Samuel L. Jackson has arguably one of the greatest lines in any movie ever in Mississippi Burning. How do you get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking place? That's not. (laughs) He said uh, his actual line was, uh, yes, I think he deserves to die, and I hope he burns in hell. I prefer. This is some real gourmet shit. Is Is Matthew McConaughey in that movie? If it's about Mississippi, it should be. It's Kiefer Sutherland and Donald Sutherland, and maybe it's Kiefer. I'm thinking of. Yeah. Well, no, because I think who I think McConaughey is the oppo- the opposing lawyer. And all movie. right, all right, all right. Lawyered, yeah. lawyered. December twelfth, Rain Man, starring Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman, premieres in New York. It would go on to win Best Picture for 1989. It's not as good as What About Bob. Got to get to Kmart, 400 Oak Street, Cincinnati, Ohio. It is the shit. It's not as good as what about Bob? <laughs> Similar premise. But sure. Dustin Hoffman. I'm sailing. Was a badass in that film. Remains excellent. Four, four toothpicks left. December 14th. <laughs> CBS bids $1.1 billion and wins exclusive broadcasting rights. For the 1990 through 94 seasons of Major League Baseball. Thank you. I forgot uh, to write that part down. Wow. I bet they lost money on that shit. I was say they did not get their money's worth because they had a strike in 94. <laughs> I was thinking it was going to be the NFL for 1.1 billion. Nope. Major League Baseball. Terrible. December 14th, Vanessa Hudgens is born in Salinas, California. She's so hot. She is. Who? Who is she? Vanessa Hudgens. She's got naked. Oh, thank though. you. I I read I the read. name. Who is she? She's an actress, and she's got Thanks. naked out there. She does. Not asking anymore. This, I mean, you have you have a Google in your hand. Google her. She, you'll okay. recognize her. She's fire too, dude. Except for she had Bush. December twenty first. <laughs> Kentucky Tinder sucks. Dece- what? I could have told you that. Try Grinder. Yeah, you'd be you have much much better luck on grinder. I'm willing to bet Kentucky grinder even worse. Not not a lot of teeth on Kentucky grinder. I'm willing to bet. <laughs> December Kentucky 21st, Pan Am flight 103 is destroyed by a terrorist bomb over Scotland, killing all 259 on board and 11 on the ground. Does that mean lots of people were killed? I get it. Get it. I mean, was that the end of Pan Am there? It was close. Yeah. It wasn't too much longer after that. Which is weird. Why is Pan American flying over Scotland? That seems seems like they'd be near Pan America. Well, I mean, you can take American Airlines to Europe. Well, I mean, you can take like Djibouti Airlines out of Florida, but it Pan Am. No. I think I mean Alaska like taking, Airlines flies. It's like taking from- Southwest to Canada. I've done that. I, I think 
I think we've put too way too much thought into this. Okay. I took Southwest to the Middle East. Non-stop. Why don't you read the next shit story that missed the cut? That's impressive. It was nonstop. December 27th. Haley Williams, the lead singer of the band Paramore, is born in Meridian, Mississippi. Ain't it Ooh. fun? Ain't it fun? Baby. <laughs> I think we're finding out. That's, Jimmy that is sounds very terrible. Tim, no, she's a, a heavy metal band. Haley Williams is a ginger and she's hot. She's no Vanessa Hudgens. Okay. December 31st, Mary Lemieux of the NHL's Pittsburgh Penguins scores five goals and assists on the other three of the Penguins' eight goals in their 8-6 to win over the Devils. Each of his goals were scored in a different way, even strength, power play, shorthanded, penalty shot, and empty net. He still oh. used the stick for every goal. He did. He didn't. I, oh, that's hate, not I hate ice soccer. I hope he gets cancer. Ooh. It's a Mario. I mean, he did, but that's a dick thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's that's pretty rude. <laughs> Stories in the wheelhouse. He beat it. Shut the fuck up. He did. He won. December 1st, music legend Roy Orbison plays a concert at the Front Row Theater in Cleveland, Ohio. Little did ticket buyers know this would be the last live show from Orbison as he would die five days later of a massive heart attack at the age of 52. Thanks, okay, Cleveland. So I have a question. Cleveland, not the smartest city. When they bought the tickets and it said it was a Front Row Theater, do you think even in the back row, they thought they were going to be sitting on the front row. I hate you. Okay. You interrupted me for that. <laughs> Orbison gets sort of lost in the shuffle these days, but Orbison is quite the trendsetter in music and is one of the pioneers of the genre known as rockabilly after being born in not, not Billy Gunn. After being born in Vernon, Texas in 1936, Orbison got a guitar for his sixth birthday from his father. Orbison's it says, but by the time he turned seven, music had become the focus of his life. In high school, Orbison would start a band called the Wink Westerners since they were living in Wink, Texas. Then in 1960, after leaving college, Orbison found himself in a group recording session with people that would become known as the Nashville A-Team. Tim, have you heard of the Nashville A-Team? Uh, yeah, B.A. Baracus, Hannibal. No. No, that's just the A-Team. Oh. Here's the Nashville A-team, just to name a few people. Eddie Arnold, Patsy Cline, Jim Reeves, Bob Dylan, Moon Mullican, Jerry Lee Lewis, gross, Brenda Lee, and some kid named Elvis Presley. Love Jim Reeves in those Superman movies in the 80s. Nope. The horse kicked his ass. Mm. With the onset of the British invasion in 1964, the director Pop music shifted dramatically, and most performers of Orbison's generation, which was freaking old, he was actually only 28 then, were driven from the charts because um, people wanted to hear, love, love me do, you know, yeah, okay. The Beatles are good, don't you saw the name? They are good. I'm not saying that the Beatles aren't good. Trash. You're you're trash. Shut up. Well, on tour... While on tour in the UK in 1966, Orbison broke his foot falling off a motorcycle in front of thousands of screaming fans at a racetrack. Probably not the best thing to be doing. He performed the show that evening in a cast. I can, I, I feel you. What was he, e- Evil Knievel's like, stunt double? What was he doing on a motorcycle? Why, why are you on a motorcycle in front of thousands of fans at a racetrack? Terrible. 
On June 6, 1966, when Orbison and his wife Claudette were riding home from Bristol, Tennessee, another racetrack, she struck the door of a pickup truck, which had pulled out in front of her on Southwater Avenue in Gallatin, Tennessee, and died instantly. Wow. Wow. During a tour of Britain and playing Birmingham on Saturday, September 14, 1968, he received the news that his home in Hendersonville, Tennessee, had burned down and his two eldest sons had died. Jesus. Dude had a run of bad luck. I'm betting Jeff Jarrett was behind that house burning down, though. It's probably Jerry. <laughs> Lynette Jarrett. Lynette. Karen. It was Karen. Um, by the way, I thought that dude was blind because of the glasses he wore. They're they huge. were so thick that, yeah, I was like, oh, he must be blind. He's like Stevie Wonder. So what I did not include in the notes, he I think he had six brothers and sisters. They all wore those Died? glasses. No, they all oh. wore those glasses. Oh. All of them. They're not very good at seeing. Mm-mm. Well, he was not very good at keeping people alive around him. So That's very mean. After feeling exhausted from his concert in Highland Heights, Ohio, Orbison returned home to Hendersonville, Tennessee to rest before he was to head off to London to film videos for the band The Traveling Wilburys. On December 6th, Orbison spent the day flying model airplanes with his bus driver and friend Benny Birchfield before eating dinner at Birchfield's home. Nerd. After dinner, Orbison excused himself to go to the bathroom and promptly collapsed and was rushed to the hospital where he died of a heart attack at the age of 52. Throughout his career, Orbison released 23 studio albums, including his posthumous releases, selling more than 100 million records worldwide. Although the majority of his career was dominated by the likes of Elvis Presley and the Beatles, Orbison was a huge name in the music industry, and his top hit of all, his top hit of all time, Oh Pretty Woman, will live forever. Because of Julia Roberts. Pretty woman walking down, down the street. Pretty woman, I love you. Pretty woman, how about you? Wow, that's not bad. That is a good limited fake. I like it. Look as good as you. Mercy, mercy, mercy. <laughs> December second. The origin of the first gag ever perpetrated <clears throat> on this show two and a half years ago, Naked Gun premieres. Naked. Naked. Thank you. The full title of the movie is The Naked Gun from the Naked. Files of Police Squad. This incredibly long title is because the movie was, in fact, based off the TV show named The Police Squad. The Police Squad began in 1982, airing on ABC, but only lasted six episodes. Apparently, they did, the- ha- they did half that many movies. No, they didn't. Apparently, the cancellation. Yes, they did. There's literally Nick, Naked Gun thirty three and a third. Mm. <laughs> they did. They did five times the movies. <laughs> they were not good at sequencing, though. That's not. <laughs> Was well, Naked Gun, Naked, Naked Gun, Gun two, two and, and a half, half Naked, Naked Gun, Gun thirty three and a third, and they found the Undertaker. Gone. Mm. Apparently, the cancellation of the show didn't match the popularity of it as the TV guide made the 60 shows that were canceled too soon in 2010 and police squad was number seven here in this film peace peace police Lieutenant Frank Drebin is on vacation in Beirut. Well, I mean, why when he breaks up a meeting of America's greatest enemies, Idi Amin, Muammar Gaddafi, Ayatollah Khomeini, 
Yasser Arafat, Fidel Castro, and Mikhail Gorbachev. Of course, the rest of this film is all of the shenanigans to foil the plot against the U.S. The film was created on a $12 million budget and grossed $152.4 million in the box office. I'll take it. This movie is one of Dave's faves. It's one of everyone's faves. It's I mean, love this. I love all three of these movies. No. Yeah, you shut your whore mouth. Third one's terrible. Second upon one its, Upon its initial release, The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad received critical acclaim and has since been regarded as one of the greatest comedy films of all time. True. On Rotten Tomatoes, The Naked Gun has a rating of 86% based on 57 reviews with an average rating of 7.5 out of 10. How is it not 12 out of 10? <laughs> Should be 12 and a half out of 10. Six and a half stars out of five. The site's critical consensus reads, the naked gun is chock full of gags that are goofy, unapologetically... Uh, apologetic. I'm sorry, what was that word? Unapologetically <laughs> crass. I said unapologetically. Unapologetically. <laughs> Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the film three and a half stars out of four, because he's an idiot, and mm-hmm. said... The movie is as funny, let it be said, as any comedy released this year. You laugh, and then you laugh at yourself for laughing. Fat and dead. That is a great movie. Yes, correct. Supposedly, they're making another one with Liam Neeson. No. What? Mm -hmm. What? Uh, It was, I think, uh, Seth MacFarlane is the... Is Leslie Nielsen going to be in it? Well, he's He's dead. dead. Well, Tupac made albums like 10 years after he died. Why can't Leslie Nielsen be frank? Well, with AI, just put him in there. Fuck it. That's so. right. But yes, it's supposedly the script is written and it's from the creator of Family Guy. Has it? I don't want, I don't want to see any of that. I mean, I'll go see it. I don't no, watch not it. In. Naked, I'll be like two tickets, naked gun. I'll, Dave, I'll 50, come to Alabama 55 and a fifth. I'll come to watch it with you in Alabama, Dave. 444 and a fourth. I'll dig your yard. Fun facts. Susan Bobian played Mrs. Nordberg, the wife of the character played by OJ Simpson. She didn't die. Mm, Many years later, Bobian starred in the people versus OJ Simpson. Talking about when OJ killed his wife, Mm. which was the first season of FX crime anthology series, American crime story about the OJ Simpson murder trial. That was a good show. That was a good show. OJ killing his wife. No, the show, dummy. Oh. Okay. Who played O.J. Simpson in that show? Al Cowlings. Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, that's right. He's not big enough for an asshole to be O.J. Ricardo Montalban was cast as the antagonist Vincent Ludwig due to his performance as Khan Nui and Singh in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Tony. Yeah, well, also a villain. All of the scenes in the baseball stadium, which is at the end of the movie, were the first scenes filmed. They had to do this because the Dodger season was getting ready to start and the stadium would not be available once the season started. Weren't they in the they Anaheim played in stadium? Anaheim. Yeah, that's weird. No, they filmed it at Dodger no, they Stadium. They played at Dodger Stadium, but the Dodgers didn't want their name attached to the movies. That's why the Angels are playing there. That's mm-hmm. dumb. I must... Kill the queen. 
This was one of the last major Hollywood studio films to have a mono audio soundtrack. I don't know what that means. Not stereo. They get couldn't, sick and kissing. Couldn't couldn't listen to the left and the right. Just one. The character Ted Olson is based on Q from the James Bond movies. You guys seen those? Big yes. fan of those. Like Q, Ted makes inventions which he provides Drebin. Ooh. Cuba Gooding's not a big enough maybe, asshole. Maybe he is thing. a big enough asshole. I beg to differ, sir. Yeah, you may be right. Well, we haven't done a story on it. Well, him. forcibly touching looks like murder a little different. By the way, for the audio audience on April 22nd, 2022, Cuba Gooding Jr. pled guilty to forcibly touching a woman in a New York nightclub. Yeah. When Queen Elizabeth II died, this is my favorite fact. When Queen Elizabeth II died on the September 8th, 2022, Reggie Jackson tweeted, quote, now we all know I was innocent. <laughs> Amen. R.I.P. Queen E. <laughs> I love you, Reggie Jackson. Look, England, I don't care that your monarch died. I'm innocent. In a movie I did 30 years ago. <laughs> Bo Derek was the first choice for the role of Jane Spencer. Oh, I wish she'd have got it. She's a perfect 10. I thought Mrs. Elvis Presley was pretty hot. Hmm. The body, the, the body condom scene is so funny. By the way, could you it, imagine Bo Derek in a body condom? Ugh, I mean, Bo Derek is hot. In the in the next chapter is she still of hot? Yeah, she's still it. alive. Guarantee she's still hot. In the next Even if chapter, she's dead, she's still hot. Well, I'm looking her up right now. In the next chapter of Fuck Cuba Gooding, on October 19th, 2020, a woman filed a lawsuit against Gooding, accusing him of raping her in, a, in 2013 in New York. The two parties came to a settlement. You know what that means. You know what he said? Hmm. Still hot. Show me the pussy! No, and she said, show me the money, bitch. Yep. And he did. And he did. December 7th. One of baseball's biggest icons, and one could say he's still even. Well, he still is, even though he's been retired for 20 years or 30 years now. Well, how long has it been? He retired in 94, so it's been 25. Or no, 20. 29, stupid face. 29, yeah. I, math, I'm not good at it. Nolan Ryan leaves the Astros and heads downstate to Arlington and signs with the Texas Rangers. Here in 1988, Ryan was in his 22nd season having played since 1966 with the exception of the 67 season when injury illness and the army reserves prevented that season from happening. The night, the 41 year old Ryan already had seven all-star appearances, one world series title with the miracle Mets, his only one, mind you led the NL and ERA twice, including the season prior led the league in strikeout eight times. After a contract dispute with the Astros, Ryan then moved to the Rangers and became the first player to play for all four expansion teams of the original Major League expansion, the Mets, the Angels, the Astros, slash Colt 45s, and the Rangers. And two zigzags, baby, that's all we, need. we need. We can go to the park after dark, smoke, smoke that, that tumbleweed. Only one other player has done it since, and that was relief pitcher Darren Oliver, who made his debut in 1993 as a teammate of Ryan's. And Nolan Ryan did not disappoint here in 88, going 16 and 10 in the 89 season, 
and led the league in strikeouts at 301. On August 22nd against the A's, Ryan became the first player in Major League history to throw for 5,000 strikeouts in a career when he struck out the greatest of all time, Ricky Henderson. Ryan threw a record seven no-hitters during his Major League career, three more than any other pitcher. He's no Tom no-hitter in T-ball. He's no Tom Browning. Didn't throw a perfect game. The no-hitter spanned three decades of playing. That's crazy. He also beat the shit out of Robin Ventura. He did. True. In those seven games, Ryan accumulated a total of 94 strikeouts to 26 walks, a ratio of 3.6 strikeouts per walk. Not great, actually. Mm -mm. In all, Nolan Ryan holds 51 MLB records, and his stats are staggering. Dude had 5,714 career strikeouts. The next most is Randy Johnson, and he's almost 900 strikeouts behind Ryan. We'll get we'll get back to that. Ryan was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1999 in his first year of eligibility with 98.79% of the vote, 491 out of 497 possible. Six votes short of a unanimous election and the fifth highest percentage in history behind Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, Ken Griffey Jr., and Tom Seaver. Who who were the six that voted against Nolan Ryan? Who's the one that voted against Derek Jeter? There's that also. Three for Griffey. Yeah. And five for Seaver. I mean, Seaver's stupid, but... (laughs) (laughs) Cincinnati Reds legend, Tom Seaver. (laughs) Ryan chose to wear a Rangers cap for his Hall of Fame plaque to reflect his Texas heritage. Stupid. As well as the fact that his 300th win, 5,000 strikeout, and last two no-hitters came... As a ranger. All right. I view this a little differently. Let's talk about it. Ryan played more seasons, 27, than any other player since 1900 in Major League history. Compiler. Really? This is what we're doing right now? (laughs) Ryan played during the administration of seven U.S. presidents. Lyndon B. Johnson, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and Bill Clinton. Compiler. I hate you. I hate you so much. He ranks first all-time in Walks Aloud, 2,795. First in Wild Pitches, 277. Third in Losses, 292. By the way, that's most in the post-1920 live ball era. And ninth in batter's hit, 158. Thank you, Robin Ventura. (laughs) Ryan was the first pitcher in MLB history to give up 10 Grand Slam home runs. ESPN writer Rob Nyer stated in 2003 column that while Ryan was amongst the 20 best pitchers since World War II, he, quote, often had trouble throwing strikes, and he wasn't any good at fielding his position. Well... Who said this? Rob Nyer? He's a moron. In 1995, the Texas State Legislature declared State Highway 288, which passes near Alvin, as Nolan Ryan Expressway. It also compiles a lot of miles. So, again, um, he had he had big problems throwing strikes. He threw 5,714 strikeouts. 
It took him 400 years. And what was the other dumb shit he said? Not good at feeling the position. No, I said it. Um, First all-time in walks allowed. First in wild pitches. And third in losses. Well, again, as you just said, he played for 900 years. And also, often he wasn't any good at fielding his position. He didn't need to. He was striking everyone out. Or throwing it over the backstop. Either one. You ain't got to field either one of them. I hate you. I hate you. He, he, wa- he once threw a pitch over the center field wall. I, I, I What? <laughs> <laughs> he got discombobulated. Yeah, I was facing the wrong way. <laughs> I, I, he had just I, beaten he, the shit out of Robin Ventura. He was tired. <laughs> He'd been hanging out with... Uh, what was the guy from the Yankees? Dave. Uh, David Wells. Yeah. They were hanging out the <laughs> night before. Ryan got turned around and threw one over center field wall. I, I had a couple of Modellos for the game today. <laughs> this, uh, goddamn, December 31st. <laughs> one of the most iconic football games of all time takes place as the Philadelphia Eagles travel to Soldier Field in Chicago to take on the Bears in the NFC Divisional game. Although it sounds rather descript. This is the game now known as the Fog Bowl. The the game already had intrigue as former Bears defensive coordinator, the one responsible for arguably the greatest defense ever, the 85 Bears, was now the head coach of the Eagles after Mike Dickett, his dumb face, chased him out of Chicago. Dick is a terrible terrible head coach, if you look back on it. The starting quarterback of the Bears was Mike Tomzak, who's no Easton Stick, and filling in for an injured Jim McMahon. The first score of the game was when Tom Zach connected on a 64-yard touchdown pass to Dennis McKinnon. The Eagles marched down the field on the next drive, but Louis Zendejas missed the 43-yard field goal. Seth joined the intercepted Tom Zach. This time, they would get the field goal. After very sloppy play, play by both offenses, the Bears went into halftime up 17-6. to While both teams were in the locker room for halftime, the fog rolled in. After the dense fog rolled in, visibility was cut to about 15 to 20 yards for the remainder of the game. Philadelphia was able to move the ball effectively all behind quarterback quarter, quarterback <laughs> Randall Cunningham, <laughs> who recorded 407 passing yards despite the low visibility, but they could not advance the ball into the end zone. Cunningham finished the game with three interceptions and zero touchdowns as all four scores for the Eagles were field goals. They lost 27 to 12. Could you imagine paying money to go to that game? And you didn't get to see any of it. Couldn't see shit. <laughs> I don't know about it. Easton stick, but Aiden O'Connell's having himself a game. Right. Kid. 21 nothing in the first 21 quarter. nothing with three minutes left in the first quarter. Whoa. They're on pace to beat him by 80. <laughs> 84, really. All right. The links the fucking Bears will go to to win a playoff game. This wasn't Literally. a playoff, stupid. Whatever. This was, this was a playoff game. Yes. Shut and up. It was oh, a I'm thinking, this, I'm thinking December like first. <laughs> Shut no, this up. Was, this was a division round. There were literally 739 guys in Mike Dick sweaters in the parking lot brandishing fog machines to make this happen. Bunch of bullshit. Actually, I, I had this talk at work with somebody a few days ago. Uh, shout out to Nate if he listens to this show. Um, if you, what? if Why you would do, he not, oh, I'm saying if he actually goes takes time to listen to it, um, he if you discount right 85 through 88, 
which again yeah. was a defense that Buddy Ryan built. The offense was never good. Uh, Dicka's and the Saints proved it. Dicka was not a good head coach. He had the worst trade in NFL history. Ricky Williams for the draft for the Saints. I agree. Because, um, you know, if you disregard Nolan Ryan's no hitters, strikeouts, and, and basically the 80s, he's not a very good pitcher either. Well, you, I mean, you still have to, you still have the 60s and 70s. <laughs> And the 50s. And the 50s. And the 40s. Maybe the 30s. <laughs> he was playing with old three-finger Mordecai Brown in 1909. <laughs> if it wasn't for World War II, he'd have all the records. Well, now that we've gotten uh, that Bears talk out of the way, which I always enjoy. Gross. And I'm probably the one Bears fan who will shit on Mike Dicka. Um, I think. Whoa. I just did it. No, I'm just saying that you're going to get his sweater dirty. Well, he should change. Um, I think you all know what it's time for. But today, I'm the greatest of all time. Timmy kicking Dave's ass. Sure. You are. Uh, Dave is winning right now. 22 to 13. Woo. It's close. You have one more show after this to catch up more on that. I won't be here. You You have this. You have to score 10 points in this game to win, or at least 10 more than Dave. You'll Um, be there more on that in a bit, but let's see if Timmy can play some catch up here. We're going to start box court trivia with passing. Touchdown leaders for Boomer 1988. Is Boomer and Marino. Second. Ken O'Brien. With 28. Joe Montana. Hold on. What, what I said Dan one? Marino and Dan, Joe Montana. Dan Marino tied for second with 28. Bernie Kozar. Joe Montana. No. Who did you Randall Cunningham. Oh, oh, time out. Montana tied for eighth with 18. Cunningham. Bernie Kozar. Randall Cunningham fourth with 24. Phil Sims. No Kozar. Bernie, Co- Bernie Kozar, Phil Sims. No Kozar. Phil Jim O'Brien. Fifth with 21. Jim Everett. Ken, Ken, uh, Ken O'Brien. No, Jim Everett led the league with 31. Of course he did. It's between the years of 1912 and 2022. All right. So you, you guys only have four more to go. Give us some teams. Here we go. Washington, Seattle. Mark Rippon. Doug Rippon. Mark Rippon tied Rippen. for eighth with 18. Killing well, it. Well, that we got Seattle. Phoenix um, and New Orleans. Her Bobby Haybear or Herbert, whatever. Bobby Haybear, yeah. sixth with 20. Ah, uh, see Dave Craig. The Raging Cajun Dave Craig tied for eighth with 18. Can you get the quarterback from the Phoenix Cardinals? No. <laughs> no. Um five seconds. Kyler Murray. No. No chance. I think he was born. They weren't. Were, they weren't in Phoenix. They were in St. Louis. Yeah, they're definitely in Phoenix. In 1988. Yes. No. Yes. Bitch, yes. it says Phoenix yes. next to his name. 
He was a Phoenix Suns point guard. Yeah, sure. It was Kevin Dan Johnson. Marley. Yeah, it was Dan Marley, you dope. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. The one you missed from the Phoenix Cardinals, Neil Lomax. Bernie Lomax. Bernie Lomax. There you go. All of them, but Neil Lomax. By the Very way, how, how was he? Was it five to four or four, four to five? Or right now it is 16 to 28. Ooh. Booyah. Here we go. Rushing yard leaders from 1988. Hold on. How did I get three and he got five? All right. So let's, let's go back through. Was... You're accusing me of cheating. So Timmy got Boomer Esiason. Correct. Phil Sims. Correct. Dave Craig. Ken O'Brien was not on the list. He should have been. He wasn't. <laughs> Dave got Jim Everett, Dan Marino, Randall Cunningham, Bobby Hay Bear, Joe Montana, and Mark Riffin. Right. Six to three. Funky math going on here. I just did it for you. Shut up. Rushing yard leaders for 1988. Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson led the league of the Indianapolis Colts 1,600. Woods. Icky Woods, ninth. Wait, did Dave just guess Icky Woods? Yeah. I started to say it. He took it from me. <laughs> oh, Timmy's, Timmy's done now at this point. He ain't got no one. James Brooks. James Brooks, no. Mm. What's that guy's name? You might get three more on this list. San Francisco. Yeah, he's on here. Uh, Roger Craig. Roger, Roger Craig. Craig, third. Timmy. That is me. Mother. 1,502. Kurt Warner. You say him every week and we never guess him. Kurt Warner, 10th. 1,005. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Sanders was the Heisman Trophy winner for in 1988. Should have won both. Thurman Thomas. No. Oh. Um, Emmett Smith. No, he wasn't there yet. Um, Herschel Walker. Second, 1,514. Oh, Jackson. No. Oh. Marcus Allen. No. Jay Schrader. He's a quarterback. I'm going to act like you didn't say that. <laughs> um, one more guess Christian from... Okoye. No. One more guess from Dave. I'm going to give you teams. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I was gonna one say more one guess more. from Dave. I'm gonna give you all the teams. I was gonna say one more guess for both, and you uttered your dumb shit. So now it's one <laughs> guess from Dave. Yeah, idiot face. <laughs> what are you talking about? I used him as a running back this time. Yeah, I don't know. Here we go. The Giants, the Bears, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Rams. Natron means no. Oh, and you got one through three. What were the teams again? Dave Meggett. No. The Giants. Actually, the, the Giants running back. We actually. Oh, no, wait. That was Otis Anderson. The Giants. The Otis ba- Anderson. No. The Bears. The Anderson. Tra- Walter Payton. Who did Dave say? Neil Anderson. Seventh of the Chicago Fred, Bears. Yeah. 1,106. Neil Anderson? Yes. Payton retired. Well, no. He, he played. I think Payton was hurt here in 88. God damn it. So William got- Perry. No, the Giants, the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Rams. You're not going to get any of these, by the way. Okay, well, then keep going. Yeah, I'm out. Here we go. Here's the ones you missed. Of the New York Giants, eighth, Joe Morris, 1,083. Uncle Joe. Sixth of the San Diego Chargers, Gary Anderson, who I thought was a kicker, 1,119. 
Pretty sure he was. Fifth of the New England Patriots, John Steppens, 1,168. <laughs> He's my uncle. And fourth, Greg Bell of the Rams, 1,212. On Greg to receptions, Bell. Timmy. It is 18 to 32. Jerry Rice. So here's what I'm going to do. All it needs 14 out of 10. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the first three picks of reception leaders for 1988. I already said Jerry Rice. Who's not on the list. Oh. John Taylor. No. I got one. I got one. Uh, There's a 49er on here, but it's not in neither... How is it not Jerry Rice or John Taylor? It should be one of those. Um, Dave is chomping at the bit. But you got two more guesses here. Do you want teams, Timmy? No, that's cheating. That's cheating. That's cheating. Shut up. No. You get one more. You names. I got a few. All right. All right. Well, then, Timmy, you need to hurry up. Mike Arvin wasn't in the league yet, was he? Correct. That's one of your guesses. Um, Shannon no Sharp. I don't know. No. Dave, you're in. Art Monk. Art Monk tied for ninth with Al Toon. Al Toon led the league with 93. Andre Reed. Andre Reed. No. Thurman Thomas. No. There's Chris one running- Carter. Was oh, wait, there there's yet? there's two running backs on this list. Chris Carter, no. Clarence Carter. There is a Carter, but it ain't Clarence. Eric Dickerson. Eric Dickerson, no. Two running backs and a tight end on this Herschel list. Walker. Herschel Walker, no. Keith Jackson. Sixth of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's your tight end, 81. Bo Jackson. No. Marcus Allen. No. Hmm. Eagles and this 49ers are the two running backs. Roger Craig. Roger Craig. Mm. Seventh with 76. Cheater. The Eagles no. have the other running back. I Yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, I'm out. Not much of a passing right. game here in 1988. Timmy, any more guesses? Are there 40? any Bengals on the list? No, I haven't given you any teams either. Let's do it. All right. I'll give you the teams, and I'll give you each one more guess. Houston Oilers, Minnesota Vikings. Chris Carter. No. Philadelphia You already said that. Washington, the Phoenix Cardinals. Washington with another? Yes, there was another one. The Phoenix Cardinals. I almost said the Phoenix. Mark Duper. No. Mark Mark, Clayton. uh, Super. Mark Mark Clayton tied for second with 86. I think he got that right on accident. (laughs) Super. It's the Marks Brothers. So, well, we have Phoenix Cardinals, New Orleans, the Rams are the other ones. The Rams. One more guess each. Cooper Cup. Senior. Senior, senior. How dare you? Five seconds, Dave. All right, here we go. Tied for ninth with Art Monk, Drew Hill, Anthony Carter. I love I love that yeah. album. How do you bitch ah, love for me? Anthony Carter Never of the Minnesota Vikings. Me. Let me see that though. And Philadelphia true. Eagles running back Keith Byers was the other one. Mm-hmm. Bad news Byers. 
Ricky Sanders from Washington. Ronald Reagan's favorite wide receiver. Fifth of the Phoenix Cardinals, JT Smith. Fourth of the New Orleans Saints, Eric Martin. And tied for second with Mark Clayton of the Rams, Henry Ellard. I knew next to none of those guys. Mm. I'd heard of Ricky Sanders. Matt Sounds like he does cocaine. Trivia with no, one sh- I want to go sacks this week for extra points. You oh shit. I need to pull it back up then. I'll give Reggie you just White. A second. Reggie White. You guys go ahead and Lawrence uh, Taylor. Kevin Green, Steve McMichael. <laughs> like this is the wheelhouse of sacking. Let me I, I need to pull it back up. I was not prepared. Ronnie Lott. He was still a safety. Was a safety. Yeah, you're doofus. <laughs> Christian Okoye. <laughs> All right, here we go. I have sacks pulled up. I am ready to go. Reggie we White. We named like 18 of them. All right, Dave got Reggie White. He led the league with 18. Kevin Green. Taylor. Kevin Green, second, 16 and a half. Lawrence Taylor, third. Steve McMichael. Steve McMichael tied for seventh with 11 and a half. Bruce right, Smith. Us, no, Bruce Smith. Give us teams now. The Raiders, the Rams. Howie Long. No. San Francisco, Detroit, Green Bay, the Cardinals are the teams remaining. Are we going to know any of those other names? One for sure. You should know. Uh, That's the 49ers. He's got like 11 Super Bowl rings. Charles Haley. Charles Haley tied for seventh with 11 and a half. There's no possible way you're going to get the other ones. So here's the rest of your top 10 tie for seventh. Greg Townsend of the Raiders <laughs> and, and Gary Jeter of the Rams. Derek's dad. Yep. Six of the Detroit Lions, Mike Kofer, 12. Fifth of the Green Bay Packers, Tim Harris. And of the Phoenix Cardinals, Freddie Joe Nunn with 14. I had a, a Jamie Kofer Floyd. that went to high school with me. She was so hot. Freddie Joe Floyd. And just for the record, even if we did interceptions, Ronnie Lott. Not on the list. He, you know what? If you did least fingers, Ronnie Lott would be there. I don't. I'm not sure about that. You think that with Jason? So with less fingers than yeah, Ronnie Lott? He had nine and a half. It's not like he had two. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that doesn't put him in the top ten? <laughs> a lot of guys missing so, fingers in the NFL. With in possibly one more show to go. It is Dave thirty nine. <laughs> Dave 39, Timmy 21. <laughs> so if Dave is not here next week, you need to we get do, we do three categories run. and I get all 10 of them, I win. No, no, no. You, you do get, you do a total of 16. You do three categories with five answers. You need to get, get 19 points. correct with no Dave yeah. to win. If we do three categories, I'll be fine. Or if we do all of them, you What's might be the year? Fine. Well, well, more on that later. So 1976. I got a study. More on that in a bit. <laughs> I got a study. That's cheating. Which Joe Youngblood. You, which one of you butt wipes is going up next? It's his turn. It means it's my turn. That means it's my turn. Mm. Let's go to Timmy's Trivioki. Figaro. Figaro, 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 Figaro. That's not Tosca. Ugh, my ears. My neck, my back. Yep, I remember. Everyone remembers when Elvis performed that. You make a move, I wanna take from you. Bermuda, Bahamas, Bermuda, 
Can we just talk about how I'm jealous of every Timmy C in that package? How hot is Rebel? She's real hot. Yeah. Real hot. Well, even fat Timmy C I'm jealous of because both of his arms work. Oh. Interesting. Coming back. Don't call it a comeback. No. Both your arms are bringing up food to face. Fat Timmy C had come on his back. Mm. (laughs) Did the Superman. All right, let's do this 1988 style. I'm not confident in either of you. Can't, we can't wait. Can't oh, wait. We didn't tell the audience that while my we were in the hospital, my wife had surgery. I watched The Breakfast Club. Yes, we did. And it was good. I enjoyed it. Terrible. It's a good movie. It's not. Shut. No, it's never going to be on my Dave's faves. That's fine. <laughs> Even though it's in your intro. <laughs> Correct. Never synced it. It's good. <laughs> Song number one, clue number one. This is a song by American rock band. Deleted. Featured on their debut album, Appetite for Destruction. It was released as the album's second single. Paradise City. Welcome to the Jungle. November Rain. November Rain was in the (laughs) 90s. Fuck. I hate you. (laughs) Why did you say deleted? Everyone knows Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. We got it. Actually, I'm gonna sing it like Axl Rose this year. Now, like I was watching I was really excited, like when I saw they were touring, and then I saw videos of him singing, and I'm like. Mm, maybe not. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if there will ever there will never be a band as cool as nineteen ninety eight or nineteen eighty eight Guns N' Roses. It's hard to nineteen eighty four Van Halen was pretty cool. Well, well, no, we'll get back to that though. David Lee Ross is trying to. By the way, clue number two during an interview with Rolling Stone magazine about the music video Guns N' Roses manager. Alan Niven said he, quote, came up with the idea of stealing from three movies, Midnight Cowboy, The Man Who Fell to Earth, and A Clockwork Orange. Ooh. Great great video, by the way. I had this tape. Clockwork and Orange is phenomenal. Clue number three, it also serves as the unofficial anthem for the Cincinnati Bengals, whose stadium is nicknamed The Jungle. No one cares. It's Mm-mm. fabulous. I, If you're not standing in that stadium when it plays right before kickoff, ugh. No one gives a single solitary. You know ship. what's better than that? Anything. Stadium else. with a pirate ship. Or a, a, a stadium named after veterans. Soldier Field. That's. Uh, what? Shut and the, up. And the Bears are getting ready to move to Arlington Heights. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my ex in laws live. It's a terrible neighborhood. Arlington Heights. People there are assholes. Arlington Heights. Particularly my ex's uh, parents. Wait, she moved to Arlington Heights? No, that's where. No, first, first X, X. First X. Oh, her parents. There's and so they're, many. They're terrible people. Give me their address. I only live an hour and a half away. I will go shit on their mailbox. I, I probably would I, like. Them. I would love for you to shit on their mailbox. And in fact, she would probably love for you to shit on their mailbox. They're yeah, horrible human beings. Mm. I like. Them. Anyway, song number two, clue number one. This is a song by American singer Michael Jackson. Hoo-hoo. 
released on November Black 14, or White, 1988. That was the 90s. Seventh album, Bad. The Way You Make Me Feel. Man in the Mirror. Clue number two. This reached Bad. Number seven I just can't stop Billboard loving you. 100, becoming the sixth. Dirty Diana. Listen, becoming the sixth top 10 single from the album Bad. Bad. It had six top 10 singles. I know we did we did this album before. Clue number Dirty three. Dirty Diana. Uh, number smooth three. Criminal. God damn it. Annie, are you okay? 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 Are And are you okay? Are you okay, honey? And are you okay? And are you okay? Are you okay, honey? Okay. I had this tape. And you okay? Are you okay? Hit by you, but struck by a smooth criminal. So I wonder how, how many of our listeners just now just drove their car off a bridge embankment. <laughs> <laughs> he drove his car off a goddamn bridge embankment. Were you going to put um, Alien Ant Farm in there anywhere? Clue number three in May 2001, a American rock band Alien Ant Farm released a cover version of Smooth Criminal as a second single from their second studio album, Anthology. Yes. And the corner walks up and goes, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, <it> was, <sighs> that was fun. <laughs> Let's see if we can keep it going. I really thought I'd stump you with these, but Dave just started guessing songs off the album bad. <laughs> I had one. That's one of my favorite albums of all time. Made me feel. But there were 42 number one songs on And I it, named so. all of them. <laughs> Song number three, clue number one. This is a single from the 1989 album Loped After Dark. Totally. We're doing 88, stupid. Okay. <laughs> Still, really, this song was released in 1988. The song was released in January 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Miley Cyrus. Clue number two: the song uses an uncredited sample of Van Halen's "Jamie's Crying" from 1984. Van Hagar. Clue number three. The title is a reference to the phrase "doing the wild thing," a euphemism wild for thing. sex. Wild thing by Tone Loke. I got that one. DJ got it. I, I, I got the singer of the week. He comes, I go. No, it's wild like with the honey. He said Tone Loke in the crew. Did he? Yes, he did. Oh, I didn't hear. I said Loke after dark. I didn't give his name. Why? Well, because then you. Because then David go. I said Tone Loke, and I said. Got it going on, baby doll. Look at I'm on fire. Tell. Said, you're the king. I said, I said be, be my, my queen, queen if you know, know what I mean. mean. And let's do the wild thing. Wild thing. By the His, way, that do do. That's from Jamie's crying. Great. His performance in uh, Heat is un 
underappreciated. Not as good as his performance in um, Ace, Ventura. Ace Ventura. Yes. I like where he said that. Man, I, I can't. Ask you of your white eye. I can't <laughs> tell you this, man. I get killed. And Al Pacino goes, people get killed. Welcome to Doggy. Hit the clip. Oh, it's time for Dave's Faith. Have you seen it? You slipper the hot beef injection. Ace Ventura, our score is three to three. Hmm. Four movies this week. There must be a winner. Movie number What's the score? one, three, three to three. Well, then there mustn't be a winner because there's four movies. <laughs> there must be a winner. <laughs> we can actually tie five to five. You want to bet? Hmm. <laughs> On a budget of 18 million. Our first movie this week grossed more than $216.6 million at the box office. That's like $11 billion today. This is an American buddy comedy film. Twins. Timmy C with what? two points. What? Boom. That's bullshit. This game is rigged. Timmy I, C times two. I fucking love that movie, too. I would have got it. Perfect, but innocent man goes in search of his long lost twin brother, who is short, a womanizer. What's the name of the chick? The hot chick. I, w- I would have got that immediately. What's the name of the hot chick? Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. No. Incorrect. Oh, what's her name? She's oh, so not, hot. Hot sister. Twins cast. Oh. She's been naked. Minnesota twins. I know that's what I'm looking up right now. Kelly Preston. Yes. Oh. And she was married to someone famous. Yeah, John Travolta. That seems like a waste. Mm. She's dead now. Great. Way to really bring the mood up. Scientology probably killed her. <gasps> Bush. She is hot, care. girl. <laughs> All right, here we go. Timmy C now leads 5-3. That's bullshit. <laughs> I guess it after two clues. Movie number B on a budget of $12.3 million. Movie number B grossed $84.5 million at the box office. Okay, did seven times. This is an American animated adventure drama film. All dogs go to heaven. An orphaned brontosaurus teams up with the young oh, dinosaur. A never ending story. Oh, no, but, uh, shit. No, Lamb before um, time. Lamb before time. Yeah. DJ Stevens, Woo! three points. <laughs> <laughs> I had the puppet. I had the puppet from Pizza Hut on my dad's dashboard of his van. They, they came from Hardee's, not Pizza Hut. No, they're Pizza Hut. I should get a bonus point for knowing it came from Hardee's. It came from Pizza Hut, you scared. It did not, you asshole. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Movie number C in a world. Oh, sorry. On a budget of $6.5 million. Whoa. The winner. Movie number C grows $28.2 million at the box office. That's four. Four and a half times. 
This is an American Christmas comedy film. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ernest helps Santa Claus. Ernest saves Christmas. Christmas. Timmy C. (laughs) You can't start the clue with Ernest. (laughs) Everyone knows what that is. Ernest P. Whirl. It is now six to five and a half. (laughs) DJ. They only get half a point there. I started it with Ernest. I mean, it's just too easy. <laughs> I was going to say Mr. Worrell, but I was like, nah, listen, <laughs> Mr. Worrell, yeah. You will call me by my my my, my business name. My Jesuit name. Mr. It, P. Worrell. It all comes down <clears throat> to this. Shocker. On a budget of $3 million. Whoa. Whoa. Our last movie this week grossed thirteen million at the box office. Oh, this is a winner! Still four times. This is a cult classic. I'm in. Of course it is. This is an American black exploitation parody film. In this parody of black exploitation movies, a black hero wannabe reunites for, with former black heroes from the '70s to help him get revenge on Mr. Big. This film stars Keenan Ivory Waynes, Bernie Casey. I'm going to get Hayes, you, sucker. And I'm going to get Timmy C with a quarter of a point. TJ <laughs> pulls out the victory. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> you know what, Timmy? I'm going to have to give it to you. And I, I have no idea what that movie is. That's a, have you ever seen that? That's a good movie. I've never seen it. No, I've, not I've never. Seen it. I've seen clips of it, but it's fabulous. It's it's what led to in Living Color. Yeah. Well, then I need to watch it because Living, Living Color was amazing. Uh, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Is really good. I'm gonna have to watch that. I mean, I I did I did watch Breakfast Club finally, so I'm 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 in the mood for new things. You know, what I'm also in the mood for not this WWF Wrestling Challenge from December 18th, 1988. We are. Allegedly live from the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. It's definitely Arno Arena, as you put it. That's not what it's supposed to be. And it's definitely Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heaton in front of a green screen. But there are things they make it seem like it's live, and we'll get into that later. You know what a professional run company would do. We start the show with Gorilla and Heenan arguing, and I wouldn't have it any other way. With that, we go to the show intro, and I think we take for granted how loaded. The WWF was in 1988. Hulk Hogan, the Brain Busters, Bruce Beefcake, Dead DiBiase, Jim Duggan, Andre the Giant, Jake Roberts, so on and so forth. I miss the banners that hung over the ring in the arenas. The only guy missing from the WWF in 1988, former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and Florida State Seminole legend, Ron Simmons. That's fair. But... The banners in this arena don't say wrestling challenge. They say Saturday night's main event. They do. That banner seems odd here. Uh, It's funny that you say that because my first thought of match one, Bruce Beefcake takes on jobber number one. I don't know his name. His name is Jim Atkinson. I put it in the notes, you dickhead. I didn't watch it. I put everybody's name in here. All right, so... A uh, little behind the curtains. I did my notes like 15 minutes before we started recording. 
I know. I now know that uh, Wrestling Challenge was filmed either before or after Saturday night's main event because the banners are hanging from the roof. But they used to change roof. them as well, which roof. was I. Okay. This match is taking place after the now famous moment where outlaw Ron Bass ran his boot spur across Beefcake's face. Hey, the jobber's name is Ron Atkinson, I think. It's Jim Atkinson. Tim said it was Rowan. It's Rowan, Mr. Mr. Bean. Bean. You're a Rowan. (laughs) Rowan your ass down the street like a moron because you have one arm. (laughs) He's just going in circles. Oh, look, this one works too. Beefcake does like three moves and then slaps Atkinson in the barber's chair and gets the win. Quick squash with Beefcake getting the win with his patented sleeper hold, baby. This match was used to push along the Beefcake Outlaw Ron Bass feud that ended the following month in a hair versus hair match at Saturday night's main event. Beefcake gets a little snip off Atkinson's hair after the match in the crowd. They went crazy. They, he was over here, man. Beefcake was yes. over. I will give him that. I wonder how much WWF paid these jobbers to get their hair cut. $25. So Bruce Pritchard has said they would get extra money if they were going to cut his hair. $25. Thank you. Do you guys know the entire year of 1988, Brutus never wrestled someone that was bald? How many guys were bald in 88? Bad News Brown. Mm. Hulk Hogan. Touche. <laughs> well... And Brutus cut that guy's lovely mullet. I'd be upset. I I don't know. Not for that. No. It was a handsome mullet. Great. It was a great mullet. No. Up next, we get a WWS special report with Lord Alfred Hayes as he recaps the angle between the big boss man and Hulk Hogan that was all perpetrated by Brother Love. Now we go to Saturday night's main event when they have a segment with Brother Love, Slick, and the Hulkster. By the way, a little off track here. Speaking of brother love, I want to talk about Bruce Pritchard for a moment. When he was hired back to the WWE a few years ago, the common theme was Vince McMahon wanted his yes-men back. Do you guys remember that? Yep. When they hired Bischoff and... I just thought they wanted popular people back. Well, well, Vince is gone. Yep. Bruce is still there. Yep. So is it possible that Bruce Pritchard is just good at his job? has a great wrestling mind. I mean, you don't hear very much about him anymore. I think we need the Brother Love show on Raw. 100%. That would be fabulous. Brother Love won't... Way better than the KO show or whatever the shit. Or the uh, Grayson Waller effect. Brother Love won't let Hulkster speak until Hogan steals the mic. Eventually, Hogan body slams Brother Love. Hogan must pose, brother. Hogan handcuffs Brother Love. We get some more posing. Now we see Big Boss Man yelling about Hogan putting his hands on Slick and how he's going to rip Hogan apart. Not a bad promo from the Boss Man, who wasn't known for that at the time. This is all leading up to the Twin Towers versus the Mega Powers, where Savage would turn on Hogan, leading to the Mega Powers exploding at the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Yep, and Savage sat on Elizabeth's head. Elizabeth. WrestleMania 5 is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Absolutely. It's top three, easily. Still. All right. I watched it live. Y'all know. Mm-hmm. No. I've watched that. I've watched WrestleMania 5 at least four times. Whenever I get all bored, right. I turn on WrestleMania Give 5. Give me a top three then. I want to. I want your top WrestleMania three. 5, <laughs> WrestleMania 17, and 
Probably WrestleMania 14. I'd go 5, 15 for Rock Austin 1. Well, no, because the rest of that show was shit. Yeah. I liked 14. 14, 14 was, good. was good. Um. I'll do I'll do five, seventeen, and nineteen. I hate y'all. Good. It is obviously three. What? No. Yes. Other than, other than Steamboat and Savage and Hogan and Andre, that show's terrible. Incorrect. Okay, what was your favorite match? WrestleMania four is better than WrestleMania three. Correct. It's, it's not. It's too long. I would go 3, Wrong. 17, okay. 30. Okay. I didn't hate 30. I mean, Daniel Bryan made the show. Uh, Brock Lesnar beating Undertaker? That was dumb. Yeah. And no, that was not dumb. If Bryan doesn't win the world title at the end of that show, that's one of the worst manias ever. If. I'm just saying. Brian made the show. I just said that. Whatever. I always preferred the brother love show on the set, not the not in ring. It, Agreed. it, it took something Agreed. away from it. Agreed. Um, classic brother love pulling the mic away every time Hogan goes to talk. Reminded me of the brother love show at WrestleMania five. There you go. Yes, with Roddy. Yep. Yes. And Morton Downey, Junior. Yeah, the third. Terrible. Yes. Terrible. Um, and didn't I, I think I remember Bruce saying he was injured during that clothesline over the top rope because it was hung up. Didn't it like rip his rotator cuff or something? You, know, you, you might be right. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Match two, the Brain Busters with Bobby Heenan take on Jim Brunzel and Lanny Poffo. <laughs> how's, how's that combination? <laughs> during the match, we get a picture in picture with the Rockers as they cut a promo about the Brain Busters. Lanny Poffo actually gets the upper hand until Brunzel gets tagged in, and almost immediately, Brunzel is the victim of some underhanded double-team actions. Tully hits the slingshot suplex and gets the win, so Brunzel got tagged in to lose, essentially. Should have been the spike pile driver. Jumping Jim Brunzel and leaping Lanny Poffo. You think they were considered high flyers? Lanny Poffo absolutely was. I have the best name for him here in just a second. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this was the TV taping where B. Brian Blair quit the WWF because they wanted to turn him heel. Would wouldn't that make him a heel? I I've, I've never understood that. Hey, man, we want to turn you heel, separate the tag team. Which, by the way, if they want to separate the team and turn you heel, they have plans for it. He's like, no, I'm good. He was going to help the Brainbusters, and he didn't want to be with Heenan and turn heel. Dumb. He'd have brought a lot of hair to that team. Arn and Tully were great in the WWF with Heenan as their manager. The Brain yes. Busters were awesome. Love they didn't yep. have any music also. They look much better wrestling in front of actual crowds instead of that TV studio shit. Correct. So we have the Brain Busters versus the Killer Bee Gs. It's good. It's good. I enjoy that. You're welcome. I do miss the 4 p.m. Sunday pay-per-view they talk about, though. That was oh so easy. I love it on Saturday. As a kid, it was great. Well, they do that. Saturdays. They do that now. It's just it's going to last eight hours. Mm-hmm. Up next, we go to the studio with Sean Mooney, and we get a promo from the fabulous Rougeos as they talk some trash. The Heart Foundation. Now, Beefcake talks about Sam Bass again. Nashville in the house. 
How many of these localized event centers do you think Sean Mooney had to do every week? A lot. I'm willing to bet it's like 50. Match 40 three. hours worth, probably. Oh, yeah. You work 40, you hours 40 hours a week. Hours a week. Never mind. Match three, Vito Gomez takes on Bad News Brown. Bad News just beats the shit out of him, so there's not a lot to discuss <laughs> about this match. But Gorilla and Heenan do promote the newest edition of the WWF magazine, and they're discussing the secret benefactor of Brother Love. You want to talk about long-term storytelling? This ends at Survivor Series 90 with the debut of The Undertaker. That's long-term storytelling. Now, there's no possible way they knew they were going to strike gold with The Undertaker, even that character would even exist yet, but they were doing the benefactor angle, waiting for the right moment for the payoff. Um, Brother Love came in with the Million Dollar Man as his benefactor. Yeah. It wasn't uh, that was not Undertaker's. Well, they didn't stop doing it until the Undertaker in '90. Okay, I'm pretty sure Bad News Brown never lost a match unless he was against one of the tip top stars. That dude beat everybody except for Hogan, Piper, and And Savage. And you know, didn't beat former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and Florida State Seminole Legend Ron Simmons. Also, that jobber Bret Hart at WrestleMania Four. He did beat him. Oh, he did throw him out. Correct. Good job, bad news. I just felt like this match went on too long because they, like like you said, bad news was a bad man. It should have been a quick squash. It took like five minutes. It was very long, just ass-whooping. Up next, we get a promo with Heenan and Andre the Giant. The Tyant. Or the Tyant. Luis Tiant. As they talk about Jake Roberts, we're pushing their upcoming bout and how afraid of snakes Andre is. Up next is Ron Garvin as he hypes up his upcoming match with Greg the Hammer Valentine. 35 to nothing. 350 to go in the first half. <laughs> this Who had involved- the Raiders over 70? This Lance had him under 21 and a half. Good job, Lance. <laughs> he, he, lost, he lost before the first half of the first quarter. Blaine's at it again. This feud involved... <laughs> Dollar at a time, bitch. This feud involved one of the best ring announcer performances ever from Ronnie Garvin. It was so bad, it was great. Yes. I missed the WWF pushing big house shows. This one was January 5th at the Nashville Auditorium. Up next, we get a commercial for the WWF VCR board game, and I absolutely need this. I owned it until about a month and a half ago, but I didn't have the tape. As a kid, I owned all of it. Let's see what's on eBay. All I could think was, again, it's an event center. Ronnie Garvin... Twenty nine dollars on promo. eBay used. Mint never opened, never played for thirty bucks on eBay. I would get the mint. What am I poor? That's cheap. What am I poor? I'm getting. I just sold that mint. for twelve hundred dollars plus twenty dollars shipping, so fifty bucks. And we got a quick commercial. And I wish that waterbeds were still a thing because I like me some water. I just bought it. Piss Bitch. off. Congrats. <laughs> I didn't buy it. I'm um, up next. Match four. Ted DiBiase. I'm sorry, I was on eBay. Ted DiBiase with Virgil takes on blonde mullet guy. Mullet man jumps DiBiase from behind and tries to score the upset with two near falls. But then Ted gets back in control. Now we get another picture in picture, this time with Hercules, as he says he's coming after Ted DiBiase. Is that Tim Horner? It is. Good old white lightning in the ring with the million-dollar man. Wow. 
million dollar dream is slapped on, and that's that's all she wrote. DiBiase wins a pretty quick one, although White Lightning got a little bit of offense in this match. He did. Probably would have been better had he taken the payoff before the match. Mm. Yeah, the million dollar man having Hercules as a slave. Not the best look. Also, when 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 Ted DiBiase, well, he, Ted DiBiase was always billed at 270, which made me laugh because there's no way he was. But Hercules is like 300 solid pectoral muscle. So probably wasn't actually. <clears throat> Who? Hercules. 270's big. No, 300. DiBiase was <laughs> built at 270. <laughs> COVID. There's no chance Ted DiBiase weighed 270 pounds. He's like 230, 240. Up next, we see mean Gene Okerlund as Jake Roberts makes his way into the arena. We recap his feud with Andre and specifically Jake throwing Damien onto Andre. I can listen to late 80s, early 90s Jake cutting promos all day long. Andre and his fear of snakes was awesome. It was a fun angle for me as a kid. I love this shit. I just thought Jake had some great hair. It was legendary. It looked good. It was a good mullet. That was a good quality mullet right there. That's 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 mullet Hall of Fame. Not as good as the one that Brutus got earlier. Boy, I don't know. I don't know. Match five. King Haku with Bobby Heenan takes on Scott Casey. We get another picture in picture here with King Holly Race. And he's going to make Haku bow to the real king of the of the WWF. Casey's actually getting some offense in until he charges into the corner, catches the sidekick to the mush, and Haku gets the win. I'm pretty sure we've seen this Scott Casey guy in some world-class episodes we've covered in the past. We have. I think he's been on some NWA shows also. I loved Haku's thrust kick, man. That thing was epic. Probably because he was actually kicking someone's face in. Yeah. I love squash <laughs> matches. They're the best. They're great. Scott Casey actually got a pay-per-view payday from being on Survivor Series the year this year, 1988. 88, yeah. He took Brunzel's spot. Yep. And they put uh, the other killer bee in some white trunks. But Scott Casey had a bit of a glass jaw because, like, that kick wasn't devastating. I, I mm. mean... It didn't look like it because I don't think it was a worked kick, but I think Haku actually kicked him in the face. Oh, maybe that was it. <laughs> We're back. Fuck your, fuck your payday. Yeah. Bitch, the third elbow is a little snug. We're back with Sean Mooney as we talk about the Royal Rumble on January 15th, 1989. I was there. From the summit in Houston. What? I was there. And the summit no, in Houston weren't. in 89? Yeah. Good for you. You were negative we were two. In 89? I was four. I was eight. Well, I was seven. I was about to turn four. And he actually tells us the rules of the Rumble match, which is always nice when you were my war games this year. They told us the rules. Thank you. And now I know how they can. Although it's dumb that if you leave the cage, you forfeit the match. I didn't like that. Why is there not a roof on it? Roof. Roof. Now we get, we go through the list. Roof. Now we go through the list of participants. And again, it's stacked. And also the Red Rooster. A third event center? Are you serious? I don't think we're done yet. Now do we go to a match from Saturday night's main event with Jim Duggan and Boris Zukov and your announcer, ah. Ventura, and Vince McMahon. This was just a brawl with two huge men slapping the meats 
and Duggan hits the three-point stance, clothesline, and gets the win. Apparently, this was a flag match as well, so we get to hear the Star Spangled Banner afterwards with a giant flag coming down from the rafters. I'm pretty sure I never saw Zukov win a match. I can't remember it. Yeah, this one was no different. You know that dude was uh, Merkin? I did. He, Yeah, all those Russians were. He was one of the Minnesota guys, wasn't he? He, Yeah, he had a great... Uh, him and Nikolai had a great uh, WrestleMania six promo with Steve Allen, though. Mm, they did in the bathroom. At least that match was quick, though. So it was. Back to Sean Mooney as we go back to talking about their upcoming show at the Nashville Auditorium on January fifth. This time we hear from Sam Bass as he yells and screams about Bruce Beefcake and. Why are you calling him Sam Bass? Because his name is oh, it's Ron Outlaw Bass. Ron Bass. It's Ron Bass. Sam Bass. Sam Bass. Sam Bass wrestled for Memphis in the 60s and 70s. It's Ron Bass. Sam now we see Bass. Sam Bass. Now we see Demolition. Large mouth Bass. <laughs> <laughs> the newly baby-faced Demolition is Master Fuji's newest protégés, the Powers of Pain. Get ready to come after Demolition for the tag titles. Did I mention how loaded the WWF was in 1988? Four events enters and counting. I never thought I would need two outlaw Ron Bass promos in one show. <laughs> Holy shit, what are we doing? Yes. We get a recap of what we're going to see next week, and we head off the air. That's all Thank she God. wrote. Thank God. Dude, I used to think these were all live. No, they're not. I mean, we all did. Like, why? Worked. Actually, I did not, because in 89, I went to a Saturday night's main event taping. Before that, you did, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah, bitch. I mean, to be fair, I thought that they hurt Hulk Hogan one time and was crying. Because I was going to probably mail him a letter. And they I was, no, I was going to see I was going to see him at a uh, house show like a week later. And I'm like, damn it. They fucked up my ticket because now that, Hogan ain't going to be there. Is that when we got <laughs> Sheik Tugboat? Or mm. almost did? Long before then. This was like Bundy and Stud hurting him. Hmm. Mm. Did he come? Uh, <laughs> Hogan usually did, from what I hear. Slap with that. <laughs> Slap with that. You have to ask, you have to ask Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Heather Clem, did Hulk Hogan come? So we don't have Look. we don't have our traditional send off this week because we're good. We're going to end this month a little bit differently. So if you were, you've been around us for a while, last December, we ended the month of December because we're not going to record on Christmas because we all have kids. Um, we did ask us some shit, part of the deuce and the best of for from last year. This year, we're going to do a little bit differently because again, of holiday. We're going to work. We're going to work. We're going to work. So next week, as you're listening to this, so it will be. Tuesday, the 25th. No, that's the 26th. 26th. So the day this, after Christmas. This, this show will drop the 19th. So Tuesday will be December 26th. So the day after Christmas. We're going to be doing our new Christmas tradition. We're going to do a watch along. We're going to do, do a watch along of the first Starcade that took place at Christmas as opposed to Thanksgiving, which was. Starcade 88. So if you were watching listening to this show or watching it, and man, it was like, man, there's a lot of stories that missed the cut. I would have loved they would have covered. We're going to be covering them on that show. Watch along, Starcade 88. And then we're going to end the month with 
our interview from this past summer with Nick Aldis, the general man, the now general manager of SmackDown. He was not at the time. So that's how we're going to end this month. I I think we should um, probably sit down and record some backstory for that. I think that would be fun. Hmm. I don't know about that, Tim. Maybe for Patreon. Ooh. We'll, we'll record it for Patreon. There you go. That I like. Patreon.com backslash filter free. You will get a intriguing backstory. About Nick Aldis. I will I will preface and that. Us. And us. And and listen, don't go running off into it's nothing negative. <laughs> No, no, nothing negative at all. But <laughs> not negative. there, there is a completely juicy is, backstory. Yes. Absolutely. So um, that's how we're going to end the month. Starcade '88 watch along, and then our interview with Nick Aldis from this past summer, which happened for a reason, and then um, our Patreon <laughs> exclusive Nick Aldis backstory to why that interview happened. There you go. I like that. Good job, Timmy. You're welcome. So. As for us on our social media platforms, follow me on X. No, do not. Whatever X is, I don't even know what that is. At FF Podcast on Twitter, at Twitter Podcast on Instagram. You can follow us on our personal accounts at Timmy, at Timmy C nineteen seventy nine, Dollar Bill Dave on X at Dave in the HSV. Can we at least call it like Twix? Ooh, I love Twixes. Yes, me too. I just had four cookies and cream Twix today for lunch. Fatty. I am a fatty. And I am at T Stevens 91. Next week, you heard what we're doing. Starcade 88. Mark your calendars the 26th. Watch along. Watch Seven, along live. That, that, that will be live 7 p.m. Central Time. Starcade 88. Watch along. So do not expect an audio show to drop. Tuesday no, that morning. week there will not be one, just video. Do not expect an audio show to drop. Find us. That night, 7 p.m., the night after Christmas. Yes. For us live for three hours. Mm. Us, by you mean you and TJ. I will not be there. And this is Timmy's, Timmy's so time the to good catch part. up on the good Box part. Score Trivia. I will try to drop in some, but I will have a house full of people. So Perfect. You just take a little 1980s mic around, and what do you think about StarCast 88? My mother-in-law. What? My sister-in-law. That guy looks buff. Yeah, he's, he's Lex Luger. It's now 42 to nothing, and we're at not even a halftime. Wow. Jesus. Way to go, Blaine. One Has the coach ever time. been fired at halftime? <laughs> uh, we might see one tonight. Dave, do you have a, right. a joke of the week to send us off here? Joke of the week. Thank you. Why did the blind man fall into a well? Because he couldn't see? That's the obvious one, yeah. Because he couldn't see that well. (laughs) (laughs) I hate (laughs) y'all.